Welcome to the New Zealand Initiative podcast. My name is Ben Craven and I'm joined by our Executive Director, Oliver Hartwich. Oliver, uh, you recently gave a talk to an Auckland audience about the new normal. Uh, Can you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, I was invited by Waterstone Insolvency, that's uh, Damien Grant's company. Many, of course, will know Damien Grant as a columnist and we actually had him on the podcast here. And he invited me to reflect on the new normal. So the new normal after COVID, what might it look like? So I thought, let me first discuss what is normal. Because were the last 20, 30 years before COVID normal, or were they a bit of a a historical aberration? Because I think actually the last 20, 30 years were quite unusual in some respects, because we had a lot of stability actually after the Second World War, first caused by the confrontation of the two systems. And afterwards, of course, we thought, well, some people even thought there was the end of history after the fall of the Berlin Wall. So these were good times, times of optimism, times of relative peace, of strong increases in prosperity. The question I asked was, was that normal? Or is the time of turbulence, of conflict, of pandemics, rather the historical norm? We're hearing a lot at the moment about uh, the big technological changes that are happening, um, you know, the rise of e-commerce, accessible goods and services. There's the whole push for remote working and Zoom calls. Are we getting a bit too caught up with the technology um, and should we look to history a bit more? Yeah, well, I think these technological changes may be a bit overdone. The idea that we could from now on all work from home and have our working life on Zoom and Skype and Teams, well, that might work for a few weeks, it might even work for a few months, but I actually doubt that it will be our future because it would actually be unfair to the young generation. I think the experience has been that working from home and teleworking and video conference works really well if you know who you're talking to. It is not the place where you meet new people necessarily. And especially, I think, for younger people in the workplace, it can be quite unfair because it is the kind of water cooler conversations that you need to have or when you run into colleagues in the kitchen making a coffee. That's when young people, I think, learn a lot informally from their older, more experienced colleagues. And if you're missing out on these opportunities, that is not a good idea for the young generation. I think the older generation might actually be quite okay with um, working from home and technological advances. But actually, my experience is also that it's more the older generation asking for working from home, whereas the younger ones were actually quite keen to be back in the office. Right. Big technological changes sound like they might be a little bit overblown. Work's going to continue the way it has has done previously. Uh Does that apply also to some of these big things we're hearing in politics at the moment? We've got uh, talk of a Green New Deal in the USA, uh, Build Back Better is a slogan in the UK. What's it going to mean for the state of our politics in New Zealand? I think it's a global phenomenon. In some way, it feels like we're going back to the 1970s. A lot of the discussions we're hearing these days sound eerily familiar. I recently heard that a chief economist in a government department here in New Zealand talked about the Club of Rome having been right. Well, I don't know. I mean, the Club of Rome, of course, predicted in the early 1970s that by the early 2000s we'd all be dead. Died of starvation hasn't really happened. But anyway, these ideas are coming back. So in some ways it's cyclical. In other ways, you know, in my speech in Auckland, I just asked, maybe we are living our lives in reverse in some ways. And um, 
what I mean by that is if you think of, say, my grandparents' generation, I mean, Ben, you're a little bit younger than me, for you, <laughs> it's probably your great-grandparents. Anyway, um, my gr grandparents were born between 1919 and 1922, all four of them. And of course, they were born in Germany, but that's probably applicable to people born in other countries as well. If you just put yourself in that position. So born right after the First World War, um, in the middle still of the Spanish flu, so another global pandemic back then. Then, of course, in the 1920s, even though they were roaring to start with, ended up in a financial crash and disaster. That led, at least for Germany, to the rise of Hitler. That led to the Second World War. And then after 45, large parts of Europe and the world were in ruins. So for my grandparents' generation, the first 20, 30 years of their lives were actually not that pleasant by um, our standards today. But the rest of their lives were. So after the Second World War, um, at least for Germany, but for many other parts of the world too, some kind of reconstruction boom set in. In Germany, they talked about the economic miracle, technological advances, and the first TV, the first color TV. Then people started going on holidays, and my grandparents and my parents holidayed a lot in Italy. That was not possible before. So from a period that was characterized by disruption, by conflict, by poverty, by war, by pandemics, they suddenly found themselves in an era of ever-increasing prosperity, which was pleasant. For our generation, for my generation, I was born in the mid-1970s, we started off with this kind of prosperity and the belief in ever-increasing prosperity, things will always get better or can only get better. Well, that was a um, slogan, of course, and a song in Tony Blair's election campaign, <laughs> if you remember, 1997. And we believed it because um, we had this belief in the end of history and the right system had won and things will only get better. And then we realized that history restarted. It restarted at 9-11. It restarted then in the GFC, the Euro crisis, and now in COVID-19. So I sometimes wonder... My great my grandparents, they had the tough years of their lives right at the beginning, and then things got better for us. We had really good years, actually, at the beginning of our lives, and now suddenly things look a lot tougher. Yikes. Right, so do you think the uh, visions of uh, utopia or building back better, all that kind of stuff, do you think that is going to define uh, the next few years? Yeah, it will, it, it will define the next few years until it all collapses. Right. And that was the other theme of my talk in Auckland. I tried to put this into a meta story, meta context. The big context of all of this is the rise of government, the growth of government. And you can trace this back to the 19th century. I actually quoted a German economist from the time, Adolf Wagner. He lived between 1835 and 1917 and formulated Wagner's law. And that was that government activity is always increasing. Well, mind you, he formulated that law when the government occupied about 9% of the economy. So what do you say now? <laughs> by today's standards, that was incredibly low. Um, but that was the 19th century. But basically, he already realized and noticed how government's growing. The whole story of the 20th century was, of course, a story of the rise of government. There are various 
theories why that happened. There is, um, for example, the uh, crisis and Leviathan hypothesis that says that whenever there is a crisis, government actually comes in and says, well, we're going to fix this one for you. So government grows. But when the crisis is over, whether it's a war or pandemic, government never shrinks back to its previous size. And of course, economists and especially public choice economists have developed all sorts of theories why government grows. It's because of lock rolling, you know, you're trying to achieve certain political goals together with other groups and therefore you're actually increasing government activity. It might be that it's interest groups uh, working together to achieve goals. So for all of these various reasons, we have witnessed the rise of government. And I think that's perhaps the new thing. We're now in an era in which central banks make that a lot easier. So previously, of course, when government wanted to grow, it had to borrow or it had to tax. Nowadays, uh, it can do both, of course, but it can also basically ask the central bank to just provide the money for it. And that's what's happening with QE. We can see this, I think, most pronounced in Europe, where last year European governments issued a trillion euros of new government debt and the European Central Bank bought 95% of it. So if as long as this goes, um, central banks can facilitate the growth of government and people can have their theories about whatever, building back better or a Green New Deal or something like that. The problem is none of this is sustainable. In the end, this will collapse because the inherent contradictions are so strong that we simply cannot build prosperity and a bright future out of freshly printed money. I think we've tried this before in the Weimar Republic, we've tried it in Venezuela and in Zimbabwe, and these experiments never work, they never worked, and they won't work in the future. Is it safe to say then that the uh, in the short term there's going to be a bit of a return to the large uh, public spending, large involvement of the state, and then in, uh, in the longer term there's reason to be hopeful? Well, I think people will enjoy this fake prosperity and they will believe that we have it all under control and we sailed through the COVID crisis and everything's fine until they realize that we've actually created the conditions for the next big crisis. And I think that will happen. It is almost unavoidable because you cannot print those vast quantities of money that we have printed in the last few years without having to pay the bill later further down the track. I mean, 20% of all US dollars in circulation were actually only created last year. Wow, that's incredible. Oliver Hartwich, uh, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you.